step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio. This is Justin Bradford in for Glenn Blackwell tonight. It is play-by-play Peyton. Hey, Peyton. thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Peyton Turnage, the voice of UAH hockey. And we have a loaded show for you tonight. For, I mean, we're going to talk about the total domination, even though the score may not show it as much, but the total domination the Predators had over the Blackhawks. Roman Yossi did, did a thing. Did a thing. Did a thing. Pecorino yes. has done some things. And then we have Stu Grimson coming on. I mean, you may remember him. You know, he's been on the broadcast before he played for the Preds. You know, Grim Reaper. Grim Reaper. But he has a book out called The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior. So really excited to talk to him. And then Peyton, I want to interview him to talk about becoming a play-by-play guy. You know, what's it like to have that journey to go from calling club hockey or, wait, calling NHL video games? (laughs) It's been a journey for sure. I can't wait to get back (laughs) into that. To being paid to call hockey as a profession, which is pretty darn cool. So real excited about that. Let's jump right into it, though. The National Predators whooped that Chicago Blackhawk booty. Ooh, yeah. It was it was one of those things where it was, well, wait, Nick Benito whooped that Chicago Blackhawk Benito, that sniper. He he went at it, and it, all the dirty goals, dirty goals, and 3-0, but the big thing was the shot count. The shot count, we were tracking that the whole game, and I think a lot of people were wanting them to break that franchise record of 55, and they got very, very close. 51 shots on net, 19 shots in the first period, 21 shots in the second, 11 in the third, because we're like, eh, once they get three, they're probably going to just, I don't want to say shut it down, but they're probably just going to be... Oh, it, we're good. We can see how Chicago is playing. They're not coming back in this game. And so when, when we look at this and the, the effort the Predators put into that game, it shows you, one, how bad the Blackhawks can be. Absolutely. And, two, how much the Predators can completely control a game when they're playing their way of hockey. I know that's cliche, but when everything's firing in all cylinders, Pecorine is going to have an easy timeout. And he even said it was a weird game because it was an easy shutout for him. So the defense was playing well. They had great outlet passes, good zone entries, domination in the offensive zone. I mean, just they're firing the puck at every angle there. One thing they didn't do is score a power play goal. Yes. So, Peyton, in watching this game, too, what stood out to you the most? Aside from you know the shutout, aside from Nick Benito, what are some of the other little things that, that you saw that stood out to you the most? Well, I have to go back to Chicago for a second because mm-hmm. I don't think we've got a goaltender controversy anymore between no. Robin Lehner and Corey Cropper. <laughs> there shouldn't be. Robin Lehner proved he, he was, he's number one last night for sure. Uh, other than that, I mean, just swarming the net, having guys in the right positions. The Predators, I mean, y- you can't talk enough about putting the shots on goal and, you know, Lehner – Standing up like a brick oh, yeah. wall. I mean, it should have been at least a 10 nothing final, it felt like. It really did feel like that. And looking at the heat map here on Natural Stat Trick, it's pretty funny because the Predators have green in pretty much the entire offensive zone. And they just red right red, at the net. Red right in the home <laughs> zone. And the home zone is between the faceoff dots right in front of the net. And that's where all the goals were. That's where they had the majority, so many shots coming from. But you, what you see on the Blackhawks side is a completely empty area. Yes. <laughs> in between the face-off dots and a couple point shots. And what's what's weird about Chicago, and uh, I mean, I like to bag on the Minnesota Wild. 
<sighs> but the Chicago Blackhawks, it was it showed how much work they have to do. And it showed also how some of the contracts they have, they have a lot of good young talent. I mean, I spoke at the beginning of the season, too. I think Chicago could be a playoff team, a wildcard team at that, but a playoff team if they click like what Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane did last year and put up some pretty darn good numbers given how, quote-unquote, old they are. But Chicago, especially with Robin Lehner, you could give them a chance to, to creep into that wild card spot. But not like they played last night where they couldn't do anything at all. They couldn't respond at all. But Chicago has a lot of good young talent, and nothing was working for them last night. Everything was working for the Preds aside from scoring more goals. But it's, it's interesting. Chicago, I mean, Brent Seabrook, he wears an A, scratched. I mean, it's, it almost seems like they're trying to force him into a, will you take this trade, please, if someone will take him, because they're going to have to take some of the salary, too, for Brent Seabrook. And he was visibly upset when he was getting interviewed yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, so it's interesting situation going on in Chicago because it looks like they're trying to force him to accept the trade, even though he says, nope, I'm going to play here my whole career. Well, you might be there your whole career, but you're not going to play there. So interesting at that, but a dominant win. And then Pecorine, that's back-to-back shout-out to Pecorine. What a start he's having to this season. It's matching a franchise record in terms of best start. He's matched Tomas Vokun for Pekka's best start right now, 7-0-1, start the season. And it's never too early to start talking about Vezina stuff. But the way he's playing is Vezina worthy Absolutely. right now because he is dominating the game. And he's 4-0-1 in his last five, a .99 goals against, a 9-6-4 save percentage, and two shutouts. And so speaking of, he's also the active leader in, in shutouts since 2000, what is it? Was it the past eight seasons, I think? I say he's been in the league since 0809. So, I mean, right. it's had to have been for quite a stretch. Okay, so since 0809, he is the, the, the leader in terms of active. He is tied with Mark Andre Fleury for second. The wow. only one above him is, is Henrik Lundqvist. That's what I thought, yeah, Lundqvist. Yeah. So, Pecorine, shutouts like that. And, I mean, if the team can make a game easy like that for him, yeah, he had to make some good saves. But boy, oh boy, was that an easy shutout for him. It looked at times he was bored. I would say that <laughs> might have been his easiest shutout in his he career. He said it was. He yeah. Was, yeah, he even said, yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. It was one of those first thing in my Just career. another night in the office. Yeah, just you know, just had a cup, stop a couple shots. Uh, no big deal. No, nothing big. He wants a cup. Okay. He's playing like he wants a cup. Okay, I was listening to uh, to, to NHL Sirius XM uh, at work, and they were talking about... In history, you see how teams got together to win a cup four, win a cup four, win a cup for Ray Bork, win a cup for um, Andrew Chuck, win a cup for some of these different players, win a cup for Lanny, win a cup for all these different players. If there was ever a team together that should have the mentality of we've got to win a cup four, it should be Pekka Rene. Pekka Rene. Pekka Rene win a cup for him. I mean, yes. you, you know, yes, he's playing so well right now, but you know it's not going to last. You, you cannot take it for granted. And I know that the team right now is gelling so well, but when it gets close to the end of the season, I hope, and I'm sure it is, but it's one of those things you'd like to see it come together with, win a cup for Pekka. You, that's the one thing he's missing. He has a Vezina. He has all these different awards. He has all these different accolades and everything like that. If you ever want him to stand a chance, just a chance to get into the Hall of Fame, he's got to win a cup. And I think that's something Preds fans will look on in the future, too, if we don't win a cup in this time frame. If we go down the road and win a cup, you know, 10 years from now, it's not going to feel the same with us having not won a cup for Pekka. Right. Or the team not having won for Pekka, that is. Right. So so interest, it'll be interesting to see how this continues to go because we, we, we keep talking about how, oh, you know, it's going to be Yusuf Saros is going to get more starts. And he does need some more starts to keep Pekka 
rested, well rested. Better. He, well, he got the win <laughs> yes. against Tampa. So, and speaking of, you know, two power play goals there. Roman Yossi, big game there. Had the assist on the game winner, and also had a power play goal, uh, the second goal of the game there. So, Roman Yossi. Big news. Nothing happened, right? There wasn't any big Roman Yossi news, Not right? Not that I'm aware of. No, so Roman Yossi, eight-year deal, so signed to the max, the extension. I called it. Yeah, I'm sure every, <laughs> everyone could say they called it. could be every day, every morning, wake up, you're going to sign today. Uh, I called it the, the, the contract amount. Oh, nine mil? 9.059. Just 9. because of the trend of players putting on their jersey numbers and on the year their contracts. Born. And the year yes. they're born. So Mitch n- Marner, oh, we have to have my junior number. It can't be 16. <laughs> it has to be 93. And so per Pierre Lebrun, $33.75 million in signing bonuses. And then David Bull confirmed that it is a full no-movement clause. So someone may, you, I saw there was some confusion. No trade, no movement. Well, no trade is just no trade. No movement means they can't move him. You can't go to the AHL. You can't, you can't put him on. He ain't going anywhere. You cannot move him without the player's permission. No movement. That means no movement of anywhere between things or whatnot. You, can, was, you can't move him. It was funny seeing people having still shots of Poyle's face. Like, he's smiling, but deep down, he's just kind of like, Yeah, I had to give it up. I had to give that. Had to give up the That's clause. what it took. I mean, you got to sign arguably your best player, arguably a top three defenseman in the league. That's what it takes. A guy that should be a candidate for the Norris. Absolutely. This season, especially because you don't have P.K. Subban on the team, which I think shadowed over Roman Yossi and what he could contribute with. I mean, P.K., he was nominated for the Norris as well. He was a, he was top three two seasons ago. And a Norris winner before he came here. Right. So Roman Yossi's time, just like it was, it was I don't want to say atrocious, but it was wrong that Shea Weber didn't win in his time Absolutely. with the Predators as well. So Roman Yossi obviously should be a candidate there. And a former Predator, Seth Jones, probably going to be working his way up in the next few years too to be in that discussion. But big contract for Roman Yossi. Back to the other game, Nick Benino, that hat trick that he had his first since what is it, March 8th, 2017. Oh, he's he was, had one before. Okay. Yes, <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Penguins against Winnipeg. So it's been, been all for him. So big, big for him. And what's fun about that is that it was a depth line. So it was your quote-unquote third line getting all those points. And you have Rocco Grimaldi without really taking a shot. I mean, without take, making a pass directly to Nick Benino is because they were just driving towards the net with three primary assists. On that as well. <laughs> so I think and it was George. Grimaldi had the wheels turning last oh, night. He Smith. was on a whole other level skating. But And Smith, they were both churning and getting to the pucks. And every cliche term, pucks in deep, get to the dirty areas, all those little things there. Battles doing in the well. corners. Yeah, win battles in the corner. But they were. That's what they were doing. They were doing all those cliche things right. And that's how they were dominating Chicago. That line was just churning the entire Absolutely. night and forcing it to where you don't even care. Okay, your top two lines aren't doing anything. <laughs> Third line has it. And Nick Benino, that's good for him because it's showing the potential that he has. That you, yeah, you don't expect him to be a top six type of scorer, but you expect your third line to chip in when maybe the top two lines aren't scoring, or you need a game winning goal, or you need this random goal to tie a game. Third line can make the difference throughout your whole season, and especially in the playoffs. Because, like we've said so many times before, and I'm sure plenty of other people have too, teams are always prepared to shut down your first and second line. That third line makes a difference because, well, if that third line can be dangerous, what defensive pair are you going to put out there? Are, is a team going to put their third defensive pair? Are they going to you know, have to switch things up and put their first defensive pair, and then it leaves the first line wide open? That's why you need a solid third line in the NHL, especially nowadays, because it forces teams to make those decisions, especially with matchups. We have the last change. So if you have Nick Benino, Rocco Grimaldi, and Craig Smith heating up and doing well, it takes the pressure off the first two lines where they can still produce – 
but it also means that the opposition is going to have a very difficult time matching up to shut them down because they're going to have to pick and choose. They can't shut down everybody. That's how Pittsburgh won those two cups in a row was that third line. Happened to be centered by Nick Benino, but right. he had Phil Kessel <laughs> on the right wing. If you've got that dynamite third line option, you're right. It, it makes it so much harder for coaches to come up with the matchups. It really, really does. Okay, so upcoming events where we go to break here. Lots of high school action coming up on Monday. You have Brentwood Academy against Ravenwood. That's on Monday the 4th at Antioch. Then Endsworth Nolensville, Father Ryan playing at Centennial on Monday as well at 740. Brentwood versus University School of Nashville. That's at Centennial Sportsplex at 8. Then Hendersonville versus Blackman. That's also at Antioch at 845. And the Tennessee Outlaws taking on Pope John Paul II at 9 o'clock at Bellevue. And then big college hockey matchup in the SECHD coming up this weekend. MTSU is at Tennessee for two games. That's on the 1st and the 2nd of November, 11.15 p.m. at the Knoxville Coliseum. So that's after the Ice Bears game. And then 4 p.m. on the 2nd. So big matchup there. Go out to Knoxville. Or if you're listening from Knoxville, you know, we have plenty of people that stream here. Midnight hockey. Yeah, go out and watch that late night college hockey there at the Knoxville Coliseum. So, Peyton, did, did you know that people sometimes start their, their summer planning in the fall? Because, I mean, you got to think ahead, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and if you want to plan a trip for your summer after the cup parade, it'd be yes. at, well after, after the cup Pekka parade, gets his cup. Yeah, after Pekka gets his cup, after free agency, all that mess, you know, you, even after the draft, after all this stuff, you can join us for the Penalty Box Radio Hockey Fan Cruise with Ships and Trips Travel and Royal Caribbean July 19th, sorry, July 12th to 19th. It's a special hockey van cruise aboard the Liberty of the Seas, sailing out of Galveston, and the destinations are these, Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Rotan, Honduras. Three great locations, plus three days at sea as well, because we're going to have special activities at sea, including private rentals on the ice. Mm. Yes, there's an ice rink on the ship. Skating on the high seas. And we have three private rentals of that. Now, the purpose of this is obviously to have fun, have camaraderie with your fellow Preds fans, but it's also to raise money for the National Predators Foundation. So we're going to have fun, we're going to take a vacation, and you're going to raise money for a good cause, plus only events for our group, like trivia, chuck-a-puck, Cocktail parties, Q&As, everything like that. We're working on special guests as well to come out, so book it now at HockeyFanCruise.com. That's HockeyFanCruise.com. The National Predators, Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, Royal Caribbean Hockey Fan Cruise coming up July 12th through 19th, HockeyFanCruise.com. Okay, folks, up next, Stu Grimson will join us here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Peyton Turnigin for Glenn, and producer Calvin back there setting the mood for Halloween with some Stranger Ooh. Things. Man, the the gentleman knows, he, he reads his email, he listens to show notes. He is he is fantastic. He's a pro. I just said, I need something with a good beat that is Halloween themed, and he does that. It's perfect. Very sinister. Perfect, perfect. Okay, well, folks, I'm really excited for our next guest. Boy, oh boy. Stu Grimson joins us now. His book, The Grim Reaper, The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior, is now out. Just released two weeks ago. Stu, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Glad to be with you guys. 
So happy Halloween! Yeah, ha- the, happy Halloween from the Grim Reaper. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I might I might have to take that and keep that as a recording. Just yes. play it for people. <laughs> perfect mic drop. <laughs> so, Stu, you've been so busy. I know talking about your book with the TV appearances and appearances everywhere too. This is obviously very exciting. And let's just start off with an easy one. You know, what inspired you to want to put this book together and and tell your story? Well, you know. Um, First of all, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you kind of shining a little light on the project. I'm really proud of it. It was, uh, you know, it was a very rewarding professional experience, just the whole, uh, the undertaking of having gone through it. And uh, I come out the other side uh, really thrilled, having been through the process and actually kind of anxious to go through it again. So who knows what the future holds from the writing point of view. But uh, really to your point, Justin, I... What, I suppose I took a an unconventional path to the NHL. Uh, while I played in the NHL, I played a rather unique role. In fact, the no, the, the role is almost unrecognizable in, in today's game. And then since leaving the game, I, um, I, I've done a, a series of things that, you know, are a little bit off the grid, a little bit uh, different than a lot of other athletes do as they, they kind of wind down their playing careers. And I think having done that, you learn some lessons, you make some mistakes, you enjoy some victories. Um, and, and, and really, as much as anything, uh, I've heard a lot of folks say the story's an interesting one. It's well worth telling. And I think as I walk through the, uh, the book itself, I'm able to kind of communicate some of what I've learned. And hopefully that's a benefit to you know, hockey fans and and even folks that don't follow our sport in a you know in a really in a in a serious way. So, you know, there's a there's a a lot of different I guess uh, sentiments that that went into writing the book, but but ultimately it was just the ability to tell the story and the message behind it. And I love how you don't hold back. You address so many things in your book, too, and that's what's fantastic about it is tra- telling the true stories of things and not holding back. But what really stood out to me was just the very beginning, the, the foreword here, Paul Correa writing it here and the interaction you had with, with the Mighty Ducks. And then obviously he's a former Pred, too, but even though you didn't play together here. But getting him to write your foreword and showing and him talking about the type of leader you were, how much does that mean to you just to have him connected to your book like that? Yeah, really important. I, I think, you know, Paul, and this really is, you know, one of the great aspects of the game. It's, it's the really unique people you get to meet and develop relationships with over the course of your career. And, and Paul, for me, is one of the really the most memorable characters uh, that I got to know over the course of my career. I really grew early on to admire Paul as a professional. I don't think I've ever played with anybody so singularly dedicated to making himself better each day at his craft. Nobody, you know, nobody personified that like Paul Correa. And at the end of the day, he, you know, he's, he's a really unique character, a very caring guy. And I, um, you know, I, I thought he was a really colorful character at the same time. And so, you know, when he accepted my ask to write the foreword, I could not have been more thrilled. Uh, you know, Paul was just one of those guys. I spent as much time in Anaheim as any other, uh, any, with, with any other team over the course of my career. And, of course, Paul was a member of those Mighty Ducks teams early on. So, so 
from the outset, we you know we forged a, a I think a, a great a, a, a great mutual connection, and it, it carries on today. And Stu Grimson joining us right now to discuss his new book, The Grim Reaper, The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior. And Stu, you know, talking about this, too, and how the, the game has changed, and you've seen it change. I mean, you still commented on it with NHL Network, and, and you, you're broadcaster here with, with the Predators for a few years as well. Just how have you seen this position change so much? And you addressed it as well, too, that you know, fighting is always going to have its part in this game, but it's obviously evolved a little bit, too. And you, and you address this and talk about it a little bit as well. But how have you noticed the game change, and, and just what are your thoughts on it? changing like that too yeah i I think i really ultimately i come out on it i really like where the game is at today um i i love first and foremost the speed at which it is played and the 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 fine motor skills that our players demonstrate on a nightly basis they do things with the puck and they score and make plays in a way i think uh the players of my era in many cases, we didn't, we didn't even think of doing some of the stuff that the young players are doing with the, the puck uh, today. So many, many things have gone into that. You know, I think training has evolved. The athletes are, 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 are better tuned to, to, to play at a higher level. Um, and, and I think, too, along with that, you know, the, the role of fighting has become somewhat marginalized. It's no longer as how should I say, random or arbitrary as it used to be. Uh, it tends to be a little more tactical. If, if, if two players are fighting, there's probably a very good chance there's a strategic purpose involved. Uh, you know, somebody's trying to do something to benefit his team rather than, you know, just a brute show of force to, uh, to, to exercise, you know, to exercise somebody's, um, uh, you know, physical superiority for for that reason and that reason alone. So all in all, I, I really do, I love where the game is at today, and I, I love to follow it. I love to study it. And I, I think it, um, we've, we've really never been at a place where, you know, one team to another, it's been more competitive. Anybody's capable of beating anybody on any given night. And Stu, you were a beast at striking fear into the hearts of opponents. I've heard different former players say that they may have been chirping at a fifth grade level, but you were chirping at like a law a law school level, uh, saying things like <laughs> "I'll rip out your esophagus" and things like that. Like, what were some of your more clever, uh, elaborate uh, chirps? Safe for air, safe oh, for air. <laughs> oh gosh, oh gosh. I mean, you put me on the spot. I go back and I can't remember even half of this stuff. <laughs> That I used to that I used to come up with, but it really you know it's it's an it's an amazing thing, um, you know when you play that role, and I'm sure this is true of most players, but when you play that role, you're it's amazing how much the adrenaline and your your heart is racing. You're really hypercharged, uh, and you have to you're you're really required to kind of play there on a on a line between um, you know high energy. Uh, of course, high, high, high aggressive, uh, you know, kind of behavior. And, and, and you're always kind of towing that line of crossing the line. So it's, uh, it's a unique role to play. But I, I, I you know, I often get that comment from teammates. Uh, it's amazing how, you know, in, insightful and uh, on point you can be even when you're, you know, you're racing at 185 beats per minute. 
was there anyone out there that challenged you to a fight and you thought, uh, really? Like, like Matthew Barnaby comes to mind. Yeah, you know what? Matthew Barnaby, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a good bit of history behind that one, and it has to do with a, a prank Kelly Chase played on me. Um, <laughs> Chaser, when I was with Hartford, you know, one morning we're playing the Buffalo Sabres, a good uh, arrival of my Hartford Whalers. Chaser walks into the locker room, Kelly Chase, and says, what's with you and Barnaby? And I said, what's with me and Barnaby? Nothing. He said, he, he just did an interview with our television. He's been calling you all kinds of different names. I should have been onto it right from the start. But it turned out I ended up being a little bit more gullible than, than you know, under any other circumstance. <laughs> Fast forward to the game. I'm chasing Barnaby around that night, and he's looking at me like I got three heads, like, what did I ever do to you? How did this get started? But then fast forward several years after that, he's left Buffalo, I've left Hartford, and we're on two separate teams, two different teams. I'm in L.A., and I think Matthew is in Pittsburgh. Um, he challenged me one night, and I was like, well, this is, this is interesting because he's kind of, you know, this lighter middleweight plays 12, 14, 16 minutes a night, and, you know, I'm, I'm bonafide heavyweight at this point. So I was a little bit puzzled why he – you know, Matthew went out of his way to get into it with me, but I think it really kind of did go back to that episode several years earlier when uh, I chased him around the Hartford Civic Arena trying to get him into a scrape. You were the much bigger of the two, for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, no question. So, Sue, before we have to let you go, people are asking, you know, are you going to do any signings here locally in Nashville? People want to get an autographed copy of this book. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, and I appreciate the question. Um, you know, in addition to some of the media I've already done, um, you know, please do sign up for my newsletter. Um, you should be able to spot that on Twitter or Facebook, across any of the platforms, social media platforms where you can find me. You should be able to find access to my newsletter. And in that will be, uh, once these are confirmed, and there will be several of them, we're, um, we're negotiating with teams uh, right now. Nashville, Chicago will be November 7th, but Nashville and the two California, Southern California-based teams will be doing book signings there as well. So that's a great opportunity for folks to get out. I would love to interact with some of the people that have picked up the book, that have followed my story, that have taken an interest. And uh, nothing gives me more pleasure than having a chance to uh, to to, con to converse with uh, you know with, with folks who who are excited about about the book. So um, great way to, to you know kind of follow through and, and and get a signature on the book if if that's what folks are up to. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, Stu, and and hopefully I run into you on a plane randomly again as well. It's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. I'll be. I'll be watching for you, Justin. All right. Well, Stu, thank you so much. Congratulations on your book. It's very exciting. It's an awesome read. I absolutely loved reading it and hearing all these different stories as well. So thank you so much, and congratulations. Thanks again. Appreciate you guys having me on and giving it a little time. Happy Halloween, Stu. You as well. All right, folks, that's Stu Grimson, The Grim Reaper, The Life and Career of a Reluctant Warrior. You can find that book everywhere books are sold. I mean, Amazon, uh, Indigo, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, everywhere that you can find it there. Plus, like you said, there's going to be some signings coming up in Nashville because, I mean, he hey, he's from here. <laughs> he lives here now. 
um, and practicing law, going up to New York all the time, too, for NHL Network. So really cool just to see that story. And, boy, Cherrygate, he addresses the Don Cherry thing that happened, calling out coffee. I mean, he goes into detail on some of these stories, and it's absolutely fun, too, that it's not holding back. And it's one of those things that everybody, you, you don't, you hate fighting someone that you respect, but you had to, and, and he discusses that as well with what his role was. So very good book. Make sure you go out and get it. Just came out October 15th, so it is, what, number nine on the bestseller list as well, too. So that's wow. absolutely great. Congratulations to Stu Grimson. And, hey, the foreword by Paul Correa. Pretty awesome there, too. Okay, up next, I'm going to talk to Peyton Turnage here. Because not only is he the special guest in the studio, but he's also the voice of the University of Alabama and Huntsville Hockey, the only NCAA Division One team in the Southeast, just to talk a little bit about play-by-play, how we got going in there, what it's like, and a little bit about college hockey. All that coming up next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio and ESPN 125 The Game. Justin Bradford, Peyton Turnage, and for Glenn, producer Calvin behind the glass. The Halloween beats. Man, he just kills it every time. Every time. Every time. Well, Peyton, I'm glad you're in studio. and it's. Uh, I'm glad for you to be here. You're, Thank you You're for glad for me. me to have you. Yes. <laughs> Man, the ego on this guy. Oops. So, Peyton, it's one of this. I want to kind of tell the story because it's kind of unique, and most people that know us and listen to us know that you know, we have lots of things that go on with Penalty Box Radio. We have lots of play-by-play opportunities. We cover a lot of high school hockey, college hockey, things like that. But I always like telling the story about you and how you got your start doing this. Now, folks, Peyton Turnage is the play-by-play voice for the University of Alabama and Huntsville, the Chargers down there. It's an NCAA Division One college hockey program. They just played the number two team in the country. <laughs> and skated with them pretty well. And skated with them very, very well. And kept with them in, into the third period. So it just shows that this program is continuing to build and continuing to build and everything. And, hey, they have a couple of national championships from Division Two as well. And so Peyton's the announcer there. And how he got his start was a few years ago. When he approached me, oh boy. I think it was it was at a more it was it was at a Vanderbilt game at A Game Sportsplex. That's a throwback. That is a throwback. <laughs> and you drove down from Kentucky for this, didn't you? Murray, Kentucky, from, a two-hour drive across the lakes, just to come and watch some Vanderbilt college hockey, and to basically say, "Hey, if you ever have any opportunities, uh, I want to try." <laughs> well, before that too, <laughs> that's that's very true. But um, so I was I was a big fan of you, big fan of your show. Like oh, Murray was. At the very edge of the 1025 signal. Yeah. So I would just Kentucky, hang out. Hey. I'd hang out in my car, sit at the edge of town, have like a late night snack and listen to you and Big Ben talk to Preds. This is freaking Footloose or something? You're on the edge of town. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever the heck I was. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty small town. So yeah. you'd be in the edge in no time. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's what was so cool. That it, was, it was a year later, right? Yeah. A year later, it's like, hey, I need you. <laughs> That was such a strange week, but if you want to go ahead and continue. Oh, man. So you got an opportunity to play, and now it's a hunt over 100 games later of calling hockey. But what's always interesting, people ask the question, and we had a couple of people ask, well, how do you get into it? How do you do it? How did you start practicing oh to do this? I mean, here's the thing, too. A lot of people actually go to school for this broadcast, things like that. You did not go to school for this. I have no training Your whatsoever. day job's in insurance. Yes. <laughs> so what, what did you do to train yourself for this? Because, folks... Well, hold on. Before before we get to that, I want to play the clip. I want to play the clip of Peyton here. This is kind of an evolution. The, ev- the evolution. And it's when you, you've been 
the junior Preds, so when the NA3 HL team, so junior team was here mm-hmm. and for Vanderbilt and for UAH. And so here's a clip of Peyton, some goal calls there too, just to see how good he really, really is. Playing junior hockey and music says, Redman fires and scores from the right circle! Five seconds into the power play, the Predators make it 5-2. A slap shot from above the circle by Nicholas Redman. And the Woodbury Minnesota native gives the Predators a three-goal lead again. Guy looking for the left side, went through Van Oshaw. Chargers keep it in right side for Neudecker into the slot. Unable to get a shot off there, getting double pressured. Was Jeffers. Steps to the front, and he scores! Jack Jeffers! Chargers on the board. It's a 2-1 game. Jeffers came in from the sharp right side and stuck it top shelf on McKay. And the Chargers have the first home goal of the season. Vanderbilt trapped up high, but they'll keep it. Off the bench comes McNamara. Pilly call coming up on Georgia. Six on four. Centering pass for Sanchez. Blocked from Meyer Klein. Battle on the boards comes back out to Kellaway. Kellaway fakes. Gives the far side. McNamara shot. He scores on the delayed penalty. A power play goal. And Vanderbilt leads six to five. Nick Mack. Patty Mack. Give the doors a goal. <laughs> six five in the third period. And you got to be here to believe it. There was a good crowd for that. There was a- <laughs> that was an incredulous moment. Vanderbilt should not have been that close against Georgia, and that was the moment they took the lead. So it yeah, was big. Definitely it was went big. nuts there. So, so like I was asking you, how did you get your start? Because when people hear this, and it, I like to use this segment as kind of a training ground and also just show that you know if you want to do stuff like this, you can do it. You know, If you work at it and you, you ask people and you become a squeaky wheel. Knowing Justin kind of helps, but (laughs) that did help a little bit too. But how did you get your start? Was it really doing play-by-play for video games? It started at a very young age, about Mm -hmm. five years old. And I was pushing around my little (laughs) toy NASCARs, pretending I was Bob Jenkins on ESPN Speed World. Wow. (laughs) During the NASCAR boom of the 90s. And then my dad took me to my first Preds game, uh, St. Paddy's Day 2004. I remember it because it was against the Calgary Flames, and it ended in a 4-4 tie. So the clock ends in overtime, and everybody's leaving. I'm like, that's it? <laughs> but you know, that kind of just made me want more. And then the lockout was right after, so I was hockey star for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then once they came out, it made me want to pay more attention to the teams. I started, as you mentioned, started playing the video games, started playing like ESPN 2K5, NHL oh, 06, and just kind of felt the calling and, and uh, just kind of practiced and and that's a good training tool as a video game because you learn how the game works. You know who all the players are, and you see mm-hmm. you know every type of instance that that happens out there. So it just kind of snowballed eventually into meeting you, and then and doing this, and <laughs> you know uh, announcing while the game is on, and driving my dad up the walls, and <laughs> <laughs> anybody who's aspiring at a young age, that's there's going to be a lot of that. Just parents, just so you know. Well, it's just like practicing a new instrument. Yeah, you, like especially a reed instrument or a string instrument, and the same kind of release too. <laughs> right, that, that, this is when I do it. It's it's you know it's not for the attention or the money or whatever. It's it's I enjoy it, and, and in a way, it's a release. It's it's therapeutic in a way. It's cathartic. It, it, it keeps the stress you know out of my life at bay. It's cathartic. Absolutely, That's vocabulary word right there. So speaking of play by play announcers, have to have a tremendous vocab. And I know we've seen things for like Doc, load those switcher boards. I'll rip out your esophagus. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, Stu. Uh, but those different boards, how does a play-by-play announcer work on the vocabulary? Because it is important because it gets – it's so easy to be repetitive 
in play by play. Oh gosh, me especially. <laughs> Moves the chains and gives chase. Gives, gives chase. chase. Gives, gives chase. chase. We've seen it so many gives times. Chase mafia or heard it. Gives chase. Like well, he's not giving chase. You're just putting in a random set of words. So how how does someone build their vocabulary for doing play by play? You know, that's something that. I think you give me a little too much credit on the vocabulary side because I feel like I do get repetitive quite often. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, once you do it for a while, you have to start thinking like, I got to find different ways to describe this. Sure. And watching, obviously watching Mike Emmerich is a huge inspiration for that because Lord knows he's got, what, 18 million ways to describe a pass. <laughs> you know, waffle boards it, soccers it. Everything. All the... <laughs> Waffle board again. <laughs> <laughs> Siphons it. Yes. Yeah, you use that one. Yeah, you caught me using that one. Yeah. Siphons it. Siphons it. So when you're going through this too, just how exciting is it for you? Because people always wonder, you know, how, is, it, is it work? Is it exciting? How exciting is it for you to be calling games? I don't have to amp myself up. I mean, it, it just kind of, <laughs> you know, amps it for me. I, I just sit there and I get ready to go. And a lot of times during the national anthem, I mean, my heart is just beating through my chest. And I look like I look like Dan Ellis during a stoppage. You know, I'm just I'm just antsy. You know, going back. another throwback for you. But wow, wow. But yeah, I mean, I just you know, once the puck drops, I just get right into it, and a goal happens. You know, I might uh, I might sound professional, I might lose my stuff, but oh I'm just you know, I'm I'm always excited to call games, no matter what level it is. And you called a ton of games this past weekend, two D1 college hockey games, and then how many SEC HC games? I believe it was. Six, five full games five. and one period. So, <laughs> one so third five point three <laughs> hockey games. So like eight in total, just about. When, when you have that many games going on, how do you prepare for them? I I had never called that many games in that shortest stretch. The closest I had come was February with the SEC HC tournament and UAH going on at the same time. I called five games in three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Some Claritin, some ibuprofen come <laughs> come to the rescue for, tea, for things like that. Water. Yes, hot tea with citrus. Shout out Starbucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and the thing is, too, I don't really prep. There have been some games I've done, and the the puck has dropped, and I haven't even written down all the players' names. So I'm just constantly looking down at my sheet, looking back at the players. It somehow works, but <laughs> I really don't do a whole lot of prep for these games, even even for UAH, which I'm sure um, Sam Baldwin would love to hear that. Are you but saying it comes naturally? I hate to put it that way, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> or or if it was like the Ole Miss game that you called, that we didn't even have numbers for some oh, players. Gosh, we didn't yeah. have names for some numbers. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even, I just said what was going on with the puck. I didn't even try to say who had it or what number. And thankfully, those guys that didn't have their numbers on the roster, uh-huh. like, Thankfully, they weren't on the ice very much. So what has been, again, Peyton Turnage, he's the play-by-play voice of the University of Alabama and Huntsville Chargers. Hello. Uh, NCAA college hockey and also does Vanderbilt play-by-play as well for Vanderbilt hockey. So what is what have been some of your favorite moments? I mean, you, you did oh, a lot gosh. with the Junior Preds, too. I mean, the Junior Preds really helped amp you up and to get up into calling games because it was streaming as well, streaming service, and you got to really know that team, and they made a big run, especially their first year, too. That may have been the most fun I've ever had as a broadcaster. That may be the most fun I ever go on to have, like the, especially the first year of the Junior Preds playing at A-game Sportsplex of all places. But uh, <laughs> that team was just a very – it was it was an expansion team, for one. Right. It was a ragtag group of Michigan kids and some <laughs> Latvians and a couple of Minnesotans, and they took on the entire NA3HL and made it all the way to the finals and came one game short of the championship game. So that those Junior Pred years in particular stick out. Um, 
there had a couple of overtime winners in there. There was one game in the championship tournament that went to double overtime, and I was going to call that game, and the PR guy stopped me before the game and said, you don't have the rights. We will shut you down. So I missed, like, the greatest Junior Preds game of all time. Oh, and who was the coach? Carlos Zernis. Okay. And general manager J.P. Dumont, hey, there we former go. Nashville Predator. And Carlos Zernis, where did he go to school? UAH. What a connection. <laughs> And he was one of the coaches for Team Latvia when they almost beat Canada in the Olympics. What a connection. Local hockey here with that, too. So I'm hoping junior hockey in some form or fashion like that, especially, you know, North American juniors, makes a comeback here, especially with Bellevue or potentially in Clarksville when that arena gets built. Absolutely. That'd be great. Junior hockey would be perfect for Music City. I think the first go around went okay, but if we get a better league here, I think it'll catch a huge fall. It was rough because of where they had to, when your home shuts down. And there's just not ice available. But for before you. then, I called them pretty much the best kept secret in Nashville. Yeah, it, it, was, it was it was truly great competitive a fun game hockey. experience. A fun game experience. Well, Peyton, thank you for telling a little bit of your story yes, as well. Thank you. And folks, you know you can hear him call games on Penalty Box Radio on our Mixler, you know, especially Vanderbilt games and, and occasionally MTSU games, along with Jordan uh, Simony. He calls a lot of MTSU games, and then Peyton also through Flow Hockey with UAH to watch those games and to hear him call. So it's a lot of fun there too. I know bigger things are coming up for Peyton. I, I'm sure well, thank of it. You. I'm sure of it because well, one, you're young, so you have a lot more years left in you to be able to call games. So just opportunities there too. So, folks, Lawrence Williams with Farmers Insurance. He is a lifelong resident of Sumner County, and he wants to be your local farmers agent in Hendersonville, Tennessee, or, or anywhere around there. The Williams Agency is second-generation family-owned, and hometown hospitality is at the forefront of customer service values. Auto insurance, home insurance, life insurance, renter's insurance, business, motorcycle, recreational, umbrella insurance, whatever you need, they have. He has over 15 years of experience as a farmer's agent, serving Gallatin, White House, Lebanon, Goodlettsville, and Nashville. And hey, he even went to school here at Beach High School in Hendersonville. So Lawrence Williams Farmer's Insurance... Contact him today to make sure you get covered, 615-264-8418. That's 615-264-8418. Up next, we're going to answer lots of questions concerning the Preds and, hey, some Halloween candy questions, too. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025, The Game. Harry Potter, Harry Potter. Justin Bradford, Penalty Box Radio, here with Peyton Turnage, in for Glenn Blackwell. Ooh. And Calvin, behind the glass. Boy, you play, play what I love, man. I'm going to Harry Potter World 2 in two months. Have fun. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting me a wound. <laughs> Happy birthday Enjoy to that me. butter beer, pal. Happy birthday, Harry. <laughs> so, Snape. Peyton, I got to ask, did you, see, did you see the latest tease for the Winter Classic jersey? Laces. Oh, I didn't notice that. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that it's white, but uh, we'll, we'll there, just... hey, shut up! Come on. What? I like color. I like gold. I, there's going to be color. Shut on up! It. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Told you. Mm-hmm. Oh, mad dog. <laughs> there's going to be some color. I mean, sources say there's going to be some color on it. I think it'll be at least a little bit. There'll be some color. There's going to be some color. It's not going to like the Toronto outdoor uniforms. No, no, gosh. No, no. I, I, okay. I'm very excited to see these get revealed on Saturday. 
It's to the like I can't wear a jersey anywhere as media, but I almost kind of want to get one just because just to have it because the history behind it. Because from what I'm envisioning, it's going to be pretty awesome. Okay, let's get to questions here. We have Jay asks most surprising Preds rebound player from the first quarter of the campaign: uh, Bonino, Ellis, or Turris? Peyton, who wants Turris? Turris. I mean, I, I hate to put it this way, but he looked weak last year, and now he we're was seeing, injured. Yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> that that can lead to weakness. Uh, but he was a lot of times this year. He's just taken charge. He leads the way into the offensive zone and creates chances on his own. He's winning battles in the corners now because it seemed like last year every time he went in the corner, I mean, it was just a a, a non-starter. But I mean, it's it's kind of a tie between Turris and Benino because everybody wanted those guys traded in the summer and look how great they played. Nick Benino is leading the team in goals with six. It, yeah, it's so it. I will say Turris as well, just because of the expectations. And his rebounded confidence and everything, too, with what happened last year and everybody wanting to call for his head, and now he's fitting in well. And especially with Forsberg being out, sliding back in at center in the second line. Fitting like a glove. Yeah, it's fitting very well, so I'll go with Terrence as well. Casey asks, what are the chances that in a few years the Yossi deal looks like the Brent Seabrook deal? Not a chance. Not a chance. (laughs) Now, will it get to the point to where you're like, oh, gosh, you're paying Roman Yossi a lot of money? It could, but they front-loaded the contract. I like the way it was structured more so. Granny of the no-movement clause. But I, I don't think it's one of those ridiculous ones like the Brent Seabrook deal is where you're going to see Roman Yossi getting scratched. I just don't see that. That, And I don't think people are going to have to fret for his contract being high when I'm pretty sure the salary cap's going to be going up soon. Right. You're going to see more defensemen coming up with even bigger contracts after that. So I don't foresee it coming out like that. Now, what was funny about this question, some random Blackhawks fan chimed in on this. And oh, said, great. Yeah, Brent, sure, Brent Seabrook cares. He's laughing with his three cups. Like, I think Brent Seabrook would want to be playing. He's laughing from the press box. From the press box. So I don't think that's even that's not even the case because that is a contract that is sitting there and scratched right now that shows mismanagement right there. Great. One week we get Anaheim fans <laughs> and next week we get Blackhawk fans. <laughs> we have Rob asked Reese's Peanut Butter Cup minis or regular size? Thick. My answer are the special shapes. Oh, yes. Pumpkins, trees, hearts. Boom. Reese's, pumpkins, trees, and hearts. They don't have that thick, like, outer shell. They, they just, they're just full they of just mush. Just, yeah. They mush fluffy. in your mouth, and that's what, that's what I want. I want that, that's the answer. That is the only answer. You, you dead on. You dead on. All right. Steve asks, does Tomasino get a direct call-up either after OHL season or next NHL season, or does he have to go through the Admirals? Well, Tomasino cannot go to the Admirals. He is playing with, in the Canadian Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League of the CHL, and he is not old enough per the agreement between the CHL, the NHL, and the AHL. So he will not, he would not go to Milwaukee. The deal with Tomasino is he'd have to turn pro and stay pro. He can either play in the NHL or the OHL for the next two years. He cannot play in the AHL. And I highly anticipate him being in the OHL next season. It's no yeah. it's yeah, it's no it's fine. Just like slap I'll, to him or anything. And I think him and Afinasi of both will get much longer looks next preseason and play a couple more than just one game and then get assigned because well for Afanasi it's his first OHL season. So I think they'll get a little longer looks, but I think time with seasoning is going to be good for them. Let them dominate and then make that transition. That's just my take there. Okay, Anthony asks, uh, okay, I may get mocked for this Preds question, but here goes. To account for Yossi's raise, moves will have to be made. If Glenland and Smith aren't re-signed, that makes up the difference. However, who replaces them if Pitlick and Tolvanen are brought up next year for that purpose? Uh, would a full season of play expose them in Seattle expansion draft? Well, if they're on their ELCs, no. They're, they're protected if they're on the ELC there. Uh, so, But, <laughs> but he, that is the tough question right there is that 
who's going to replace the offense, you know, with Roman Yossi's contract kicking in and everything, that you're not going to have as much money to spend. Smith, if he gets to his 20 goals, he's going to command this more than he's making now. Glenlin, obviously the same as well. Contract years for these guys. So I think it's one of one of those two is going to stick around, and there's probably going to be some sort of trade that would happen in the offseason. The big deal is as long as you keep the core together, you can fill in those pieces. Again, look at teams like the Penguins, the Blackhawks. That's what they did when mm-hmm. they won. All their cups. All right, Miss Pac-Man, hot or nah? She's hot. She is. Pass. Okay, Cody asks, how early is too early for a Christmas tree to be, Christmas tree to be put up? Asking for a friend. You know what? I personally will not put it up again until after Thanksgiving, but I'm not going to judge you anymore. You do you. If it makes you happy, it makes you happy. That's just don't. I'm not going to rain on somebody's happiness. I just don't like seeing it in like stores in like September. <laughs> uh, Jordan asks, what American city should be next to receive an NHL expansion team with the league or to expand to 34 teams? Uh, I would go with Kansas City. That's interesting. That's an interesting choice. I would say either. Quebec Quick. City's got an immaculate American, arena. American City. Okay, the Houston. Question. Okay, Houston. Oh, American. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Pucker, I don't Pucker Landry. Well. I'm going with Puck. Sorry, Landry. I got to go with Puck. Puck's Puck the, is Puck way cuter. I'm sorry. So cute. So cute. Okay, folks. Thanks so much for tuning to Penalty Box Radio. Thank you to Peyton Turnage. Thanks to Stu Grimson. Big thanks to Thank you, Calvin behind the glass. There. Really appreciate you tuning in. More on PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Post game coverage. If you missed any of the show, it can be found there too. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game.